0: Our old uh, testament lesson this morning comes from Genesis chapter 2, verses 4b, which is the second part of the fourth verse to 15. You can find it on your pew bibles on page Um, 2. This year, we've had a sort of a soft theme of encountering. Throughout uh, Lent, we looked at how Jesus encountered others on Jesus' way to the cross. And as we begin to, as we have taken off masks, and as we begin to do more and more in the community, we're going to spend the summer looking at how do we encounter one another? Maybe how do we reintroduce ourselves to, to not only here in this church, but outside the, the community as a whole in Lillington and Hornet County and beyond. And do we do that by looking at how Jesus encountered those on the way to the cross? Jesus asked 307 questions on his way uh, from, the, from his baptism into the cross. And so we'll begin by asking questions as well, too. And today, the first question we ask is, where are you from? As we encounter other people, where are you from? And to do that, help us to answer that question, let's look at Genesis. Again, chapter 2, verses 4b through 15. I invite you now to listen to the word of our Lord. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, when no plant and A field was yet in the earth, and no herb of the field had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was no one to till the ground, but a stream would rise from the earth and water the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground the Lord God made to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight of the good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. A river flows out of Eden to the water, toward the garden, and from there it divides and becomes four branches. The name of the first is Pishon. It is one that flows around the whole land of Havah, where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good Delium, an oxenstone there. The name of the second river is Gihon. It is one that flows around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third is Tigris, which flows east of Syria, and the fourth river is euphrates the lord god took the man and put him in the garden of eden to till it and to keep it friends this is the word of our lord thanks be to god after graduating college alley my wife had a job selling advertisement space in small newspapers so which meant she would travel around the united states the small little towns her company would hired her to do this, and then so she would go out for a month and solicit the town for advertisements for the local newspaper in that small town, and when she was done, she would move on to the next town to the next, and she said, no matter where you go, they always ask you the same question over and over, every small town. The question was, where are you from? And she would answer, I'm from Raleigh, North Carolina, and that is true. She was from Raleigh, North Carolina. She, her family moved to Raleigh. She still carried that Minnesota accent that she moved from, and, but she had lived in Raleigh at this time in her life pretty much more than any other place in the United States. But she said it never failed when she went down south, to down south to the deep south, to Mississippi, to Alabama, to Louisiana, they would say, where are you from? And she would say, from Raleigh, North Carolina, and they'd say, honey, seriously, where are you from? <laughs> It's a loaded question, where are you from? We've all been asked that question before. For some of us, it's it's an easy question to answer. We've, Lillington, North Carolina, we've lived here our entire lives, never moved away, maybe for a short period or so. For others of us, we, we wonder, or what are they asking? We lived in Lillington, North Carolina for a long time, maybe decades, but we didn't grow up here. Are they asking where I grew up, or are they asking where I've lived most of my life? And for others of us, this gets to be a really complicated question because as a child we moved from one town to the next and as an adult we did the same thing. But I wonder if all of our answers shouldn't be Eden. Not Eden, North Carolina. <clears throat> the Garden of Eden. That is where all the rivers as uh, river flows from. Or, as me, the preacher, being too literal, when I read this passage, in his book, For the Love of All Creatures, the story of grace in Genesis, the scholar uh, William Greenway, puts it, the creation story in this way. Both creationists and the scientific critics of creationists suffer from the same genre of confusion, which is that the idea that the, the flood of creation accounts in Genesis can lay claim to be truth-telling only so far as they can be read as a scientific text. He goes on to say that you can read this text in in Genesis 2, and also the one in Genesis 1, as a story that makes a serious truth claim without reading it as a scientific book. You don't read it as Galileo, Galileo. You read it as Shakespeare. When we consider the historical time period, during which this particular story of faith was probably written down after having been circulated generation after generation after generation via orally, we get a deeper appreciation for why telling the story of how God creates harmony out of chaos felt so necessary to our spiritual ancestors and so vital to our spiritual journey today. More than likely, after all those years of oral tradition, the beginning of Genesis written down when the Israelites were in exile. In the midst of their defeat, in the midst of them being in exile, it makes sense for Israelites to begin to, to ask pressing questions of life, questions to ask in the midst of chaos. What of all the wondrous beauty and love do we make? What of all the suffering and death do we make? For what might we hope? How should we live? How should we love? Who are our ancestors? And where do we come from? The fundamental question that continue to rise to the surface during the seasons of chaos are fundamental questions that animate the creation narratives in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. Notice the second chapter of Genesis, when it begins. There are no plants. There are no herbs. There's no grass. There's no trees. Until a river, a river of water begins to run underneath the ground. And things begin to grow, creating a really chaotic landscape. There's no one to till it. There's no one to keep the grounds. So in the midst of all that chaos, that great almighty God, the one who lit the sun, the one who fixed the sky, and the one who created the the ground below our feet, bent down and got God's fingernails dirty. And he began to toll, began to shape and to form a, a lump of clay. It's there, right there in the name Adam, Adam in Hebrew meaning human, which is just a simple breath away from the Hebrew word adamah, which means ground. This is why Augustine describes human beings as an animated of the earth, and why my Old Testament professor calls human beings groundlings, but notice in the text. In text, and Adam is, is just part of the ground. He's not much more than a clay figure. There is no life in him. Not until God bends down and breathes life into his nostrils. into you and to me. Perhaps the better question for us is, is not where do we come from? But who do we come from? And the good book tells us that we all come from God. This is why we baptize infants. Our baptism is not based on the words that we say or prayers that we make or points that we've earned or it's not based because we deserve it because, frankly, we don't. All baptisms, whether it be an infant or an adolescent or an adult, is a reminder that we come from God. It's a reminder that the heavens and the earth and that you and me come from God. And nothing, nothing that we do can separate us from God's love or that relationship with God. God continues to bend down and shape us and form us and give us the breath of life. Baptism reminds us of God's activity, that God comes to us first. And so the infants tell us, the infants tell us that they have really not done really anything for or anything against God. What the infants remind us is that we all can really, all that we can really do is receive God's breath with gratitude and try to live into this relationship. A relationship that connects us to the world, to the land, to every single creature that God made. A relationship that connects us to God. Notice, notice in the rivers, the rivers flow from the Garden of Eden. The rivers, it's the waters that connect us. It's the waters that connect us together and then sends us out and brings us back. In a constant flowing motion. Grabbing us together, sending us out, and bringing us back. If we read a little bit further in the text, we have the story of Adam and Eve. So often we get hung up on this story and believe it's a story about marriage and family, but there is no mention of children throughout the whole story. But if you look closely at that story, up until this point in Scripture, God keeps telling us that everything is good. God created the land and the sea, and it was good. God created the trees and the vegetables, and it was good. God created the lights above the sky, and it was good. God created the animals, and it was good. God created the human, and it was good. And God saw the humans were not, were alone. And God said, that, that is not good. The second part of Genesis is about community. That God does not want us to be alone. We need God's breath. Because God gives us life, a life that connects us to God and land and creatures and all that. But God says that's not good enough. That's not good. You need one another. You need to be in community. Our baptism reminds us that we are part of something bigger than ourselves. That we're, that we're something bigger than Lillington Presbyterian Church, but we are a part of a greater community linked by Jesus Christ. Our baptism is the beginning. It's our call to live and to care about all things that Jesus lived and cared about. It's just not a destination. It's not a photo op or or gown that we get to wear for generations and generations and generations. It's the beginning. Just like God breathed life into Adam. It's the beginning of all our stories. Whatever age we are, we come to the waters of our baptism. In those baptisms, we are drenched with water. And we are named and we are told who we are and we're given an identity. We are launched on a journey that takes a whole life long to live as Jesus lived and to care as Jesus cared. And today you will make vows to Sophia and next week you'll make vows to Liam. And you have then made vows to countless other kids who have come through this church. And churches have made vows on your behalf on places outside of here. And with that comes responsibility. Responsibility to you and to me to teach these children to live as Jesus lived and to care as Jesus cared, to till and to keep the ground, God said, in all its ground means. So we thought, pondering for a second. And can't wonder and pray that every nineteen seconds in America a child is arrested. We have a responsibility. Every thirty-five seconds a child is abused or neglected. We have a responsibility. Every four minutes a child is arrested for a drug offense. Every forty-four minutes in America, a child or teen dies from an accident. And every three hours a child is killed by a firearm. And every six hours a child is killed or by abuse or neglect in America. We we say. Because we have been baptized, because we make vows, we say we have a responsibility. His name was Nathan. Nathan had just received, or just recently got involved in a church. Will Willemo was a guest preacher that day, he not only was a guest preacher. at the time, Willemann was a bishop for the Methodist church in that region. You Knowing the Willimon was coming that day, the church asked him if he would like to baptize Nathan after the sermon. And he said, yeah, sure, I'd love to, to baptize Nathan. There's one thing you need to know, Nathan wants to be dumped. As Wilman got out of his car that morning, he greeted Nathan, and the pastor uh, said, Nathan, meet the bishop. Bishop, meet Nathan without skipping a beat. Nathan Nathan was quite the character. Without skipping a beat, Nathan said, good to meet you, bishop. Now, they tell me you've never done this type of baptism before. This is the only time you've ever baptized somebody by dunking them. I think it's probably best that we run through it, don't you? I was going to suggest the same thing, Wilman says, as he looks at the pastor and thinks, why did you tell them? The truth is, the church has never done one of these either. Uh, they borrowed a portable pool, and they placed it in the fellowship hall, put a white sheets all around it, and placed flowers right in front of it. Now, do you want me to take off my shoes? Nathan asked. Yeah, yeah, you probably should be taking off your shoes. Best thing to do that. How about my socks? I, I reckon you should, or you can keep them on. I don't know, whatever you wanted to do about the socks. Then Nathan begins to direct this bishop on the points to baptize somebody he said at this point you go through the ritual take my hand and lead me up the steps and stand over to the side and then you'll lead me down into the pool Now, I want to dunk three times. Make sure you dunk me three times. Well, that's the way that John Wesley says it. So I guess, yeah, we'll dunk you three times. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I get that. I won't forget. Good, good, good. Now, I want to go all the way underwater. Yeah, three times, all the way underwater. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, each time, all the way underwater. Both are feeling sufficiently good right now. And so the service begins, and they sit down, they take their seats. The service was packed that day. They read literature, and they sang hymns, and they read scripture. Willimon preached. And then after the sermon, the whole church followed the cross, and the preacher, and Willimon, and Nathan, down to the fellowship hall, where they went around and sat behind this portable pool with flowers in front of it and draped with white sheets. And then Willimon remembers I stood there, and I went through the the baptism ritual, just like we rehearsed. I asked him the questions And the whole church then gathered around, and right before I was getting ready to dunk him, right before I was getting ready to go, take him all the way on the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, just like we rehearsed, he says, I'd like to say something. Nathan said, Nathan, I looked at him, we didn't rehearse this. Can I say something? Yes, yes, please. And so all three and a half feet of Nathan addressed the congregation that day. He says, you know, I wouldn't be here today if you hadn't put me here. I wouldn't have known that God wanted me to be here if you hadn't have told me. When my parents divorced, my world ended, and I just thought I didn't have anywhere to go. I couldn't imagine myself without a family. But then, you showed me. You showed me that you were my family. Y'all took me in and all you, all you people, you, you put up with me in Sunday school and everything else you've put up with me. I just hope you feel good about what's happening today. Because God did this through you. And I want to tell you that I'm taking this seriously. And you're going to be proud of me. And all that you've done one day. One day you're gonna be able to say, I had a hand in that. I made that boy a Christian. So thank you. There's really ought to be a day that you feel really good about yourselves, about the church, about God. Willem on the myths. On his way to the church that morning, it's about two-hour drive. He thought to himself, "Why am I coming out here? I'm a bishop. A church, no more than 50 people. This is a waste of time. As a bishop, I need to spend better use of my time." But on the way home, he admits that he did not only learn about baptism through immersion. But that little boy that day taught him about what it meant to be church. as masks have been removed and we begin to encounter our community. Perhaps we need to skip that loaded question. Where are you from? And remember of where we come from. Remember the waters of our own baptism. Remember the place of the person that we're looking at. Where they come from. It's a garden, it's a garden that meets the river of Pishon, the meets the river of Gahan, that meets the river of Tigris, the meets the river of Euphrates, the meets the river of the Nile, and the Jordan, and the Mississippi, and the Ohio, and the French Broad, and the Cape Fear, which meets your baptism. God bends down with dirt in his fingernails, forms you and shapes you and breathes life into your soul. Welcome you into God's beloved community. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.